0: Come with me on a journey into the mind, into the misunderstood and mysterious world of neurodiversity, into a place of daring discovery and desperate darkness, but also, you know, fun. Come with me if you dare. Into the the Neuroverse. Episode 7, Magical Item Number 1, The Invisible Shield. (laughs) Okay, so if you've been listening to this series already, you'll know that um, the sort of setup is that we go through different places of the mind of the Neuroverse, what I call the Neuroverse. We map it out. We map it out. We've been through the minds of misinformation. We've been to other places that I have forgotten. And now we are finding magical items on this quest. Originally, when we started this podcast and when we say we, I mean me and sometimes she, do you know what I mean? But anyway, We'll come to that. We won't. No, we're not. We move on. Come on. Push the red button. Push. Fuck. That's the Nottingham coming out, you see. I try to say, I, I always struggle with my, oh, it's really held me back. In in the world of acting, because no matter how, what they try and tell you how things have moved on, they haven't. It's full of posh people, and they if they can screw you, they will and hard. So you know this has gone very Anna Man, hasn't it? But I always get picked up on my us, you know, oh. So if I say push, I'm not, but I'm not sure how you say it, posh, and I still haven't quite worked it out. And I'm desperate to be in, you know, the RSC. Fuck william shakespeare and all that stuff uh bill shakes as anna man god i've gone full anna man i really didn't mean to do any of this but anyway the the us often come out oh uh. you know even my daughter picks me up on it now she goes what what are you saying oh uh. she says it's not oh uh, it's uh. I, I literally can't make the sound it's 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 harrowing it really is harrowing anyway welcome to into the new reverse we're back i missed a week And this is at least a day late. It may be more late. I apologise to you. I apologise to my Patreons, Patroni. But welcome back. It's exciting. It's exciting. Originally, it had a kind of... Uh, Star Trek vibe to it I think is what I was going for I don't know I was just sort of like pressing record and going for it really but now it's it's gone into a bit more of a fantasy realm do you know what I mean a bit of a sort of uh, um, Lord of the Rings type feel this series has but in essence you've listened to two minutes already of absolute nonsense but in essence what this is is me Colin Holt actor comedian (laughs) etc etc trying to uh discuss the world of neurodiversity my own way. I go away, I think about it, I write about it, I turn it into a podcast, and I talk about it. It's not just for neurodiverse people. I'm covering the whole breadth of sort of mental health issues that I have, that people I meet have, people I chat to have. Um, I get some guests on sometimes. I've only had one so far, because I've got ADHD, that's the first thing I haven't been able to achieve is getting more guests. Oh God, I dropped something. I ask, them, I ask them, don't, and they say yes, but then they go, you know, a month later. Oh, by the way, are we are we, are we doing that? And I go, oh fuck! But good news to everyone, I've got, I think, a producer, studio, all these things coming coming very soon. So hopefully none of this crap around the series will happen. Um, but if you like the series, if you like what you hear today, we haven't begun yet. This is just the beginning. We haven't begun. We haven't begun. We never haven't begun. we never begun. I will begin begun one day. If you like it by the end, don't judge me on these first three minutes because this is absolute nonsense. It really is. I've been away for a couple of weeks and I'm a little bit out of sync with my own mouth, which is horrible and it looks hideous, I'm sure, to watch. Thank God I don't do videos of these or you would be throwing up right now. So I'm... Um, yes, so we're getting people in to to do that side of it, so everything will be a lot sleeker. But if you do like it, please show you're liking it by liking it on on the website, on the you know iTunes or wherever you're listening, and give a review if you could. That'd be great. Tell people about it, share it. Let me know. Let me know for God's sake if you like it. I'd love to hear. And if you don't like it, I mean, if you don't like it, I probably don't need to hear. But if you like it, but you think, oh, you know what? It might be better if you did a bit more of this or a bit less of this. That's fine. Uh, But, you know, if you're if you're someone who likes to send people messages of what they think are bad things in a critical way, then... I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm 44. I can't be bothered with that anymore. I've spent 20 years dealing with those sort of reviews, and before that, I had my childhood, which was achingly critical. We'll get onto that. But if you want to support it even more, there is a Patreon, um, which is Colin Holt at Patreon.com. I think. Fuck. Go to Patreon. Look up Colin Holt. You'll find it. It's in the blurb. All right. It'll be there. For the blurb for this podcast. And please do um, give me a little bit of money every month if you want to, if you want to, if you think it's worth it, because I'm doing this for for, for free and for fun. And I'm trying to save the world here, guys. All right. I don't think that's over the top. All right. And I don't always use the word guys. Sometimes I say geezers. And this isn't just for for geezers. I want, oh God, I've tying myself in so many knots right now. Let's just get on with the pod. which I thought was going to be a good one, and then I started talking. So, before we get into it, what's happened recently? I went up to the Edinburgh Festival. I wasn't doing the full month, but I saw everyone having a wonderful time, getting five stars and and, and all that, and I thought, I want a bit of that. So I, I got in touch with my producer and we got a, a little venue for a few nights and it was it was really good. I loved it so much. And I've got to say, I'm how much... This doing this podcast has helped me getting up there and being myself on stage, which I still feel kind of dirty and weird going on stage talking about real things as opposed to talking about imaginary, sketchy, charactery type things. I still come away feeling slightly ashamed. It's very bizarre, Um but what I've come to realize, you know, Anna Man, she's in me. The power's in me all along, like Thor with his hammer, and it gets broken. You know, and Odin says the power's in you all along, or something of that, and he goes and zaps everyone it's a bit like that but with a, a sort of posh voice and talking fast and in a sort of mildly amusing way so i had a lot of fun and by the way the animan podcast will be back i know the patreons want it a lot of you want it and also to be honest i've been looking on on the the uh, uh, the analysis on the, ...on the podcast website and people are still bloody listening to it and downloading it. I'm like, God, I've got to put some more of these bastards on because this is like free money, isn't it? I just waffle on for no good reason. But not with this show. This show is about healing the bloody world. But yes, Edinburgh was a lot of fun. Um, one thing not so much fun... So, as I said, I should probably point out to people who haven't listened before, I have ADHD. I think I have autism. Part of this quest is to uncover if I definitely do. I have family members who do. And I think that I do. (laughs) And you might too. But either way, it's about trying to understand uh, tips and tricks and how we can... Better navigate a neurotypical world and not spend the rest of our lives just feeling like strange creatures from another world. Uh, Or just feel like strange creatures from another world, but be fine with that. Uh, And if this helps you, wonderful. I'm not qualified to help you. Um, If you find it fun and interesting, lovely. Okay, so that's explaining that. But one thing that happened on the train, I got convinced for the fifth time... I think in my life. Well, no, it's the fifth time I would have been to the doctor. I didn't go to the doctor in the end, but I got quite convinced. I'm pretty sure this is an ADHD thing. Uh, quite convinced that I had uh, a terminal illness from headaches and uh, a sort of buzzy eye. Oh God, I'm just giving my script symptoms now, aren't I? And a sort of nausea. The nausea is now passed. God, that's good. I'm glad that's passed. But the, the eye thing still happens a bit. And of course it happened because I was on Twitter for hours and hours. Again, an ADHD thing. I think I talked about when I was in Manchester and, and and I did a gig with Joe Lyson and then I couldn't sleep and I was just looking at Twitter all night. And the next day my eye was going, la, 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 you know. Anyway, so I knew that was probably the reason. Even though I knew that was probably the reason, I then looked up symptoms. The symptoms I found were very bad. And I found myself going to Edinburgh and sort of saying things not actually saying this might be the last time I ever see you to my family, but <clears throat> sort of saying things that implied that, I guess, in a vague but non-threatening way. They all just looked a bit confused. It was fine. Then I sat on the train. I listened to some sad music <laughs> and thought about it and was crying. I sat next to a, a farmer's wife. who was a farmer herself. Why do we just call her a farmer's wife? She's not a farmer's wife. She's a farmer herself. She built that farm herself. Anyway, we talked for a bit, but it was quite hard because I kept having to hold back tears because I convinced myself this this was it. This was the end. And I spoke to my friend Zoe, who is also ADHD. And uh, she sort of laughed at me, which I took great offence to. But very quickly, she explained. She said it's the ADHD brain. And she explained how she'd been through a series of tests and blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to be, you know, pretty much nothing. But was convinced she was going to die for quite a long time. So I, I, other ADHD people or autistic people do you find this a lot. Is hypochondria a thing that happens to you a lot? I guess it's fixation. We all get fixated, don't we, on, on a thing? And I guess death is probably the... If you're going to fi- get fixated on anything, it's probably death. And also what it is, is it's not dying. I can sort of deal with that. A lot of people I've known have died and I I could sort of accept it happening. It's It's not being here. You know, that's what got me. Oh, God, don't you start or I'll go again. God, it's like Man, the death of Man. So that made the whole Edinburgh experience have an edge to it. I felt like every show I was going out and sort of going, uh, sort of as if like, OK, this is the last time you'll ever see me. I didn't say that, but that's what was going through my head. Um, and then quite soon I discovered that uh, I think I'm all right now. So, you know. Well, I mean, watch this space, but I think I'm all right. So it's, it's God. And I, th- I thought to my brain, I thought you've done it again, mate, haven't you? You've done it to me again. And I know it comes for, partly from my upbringing. There was a lot of illness, hypochondria, things like that, and actual illness and death and all that, you know. I know where it's all come from, but it still gets me every bloody time. And I spent £25 going to Specsavers. My mum convinced me, she went, go down to Specsavers. Oh, get down there now, get down there now, drop everything, get down there. I went down there and, and they did it and they were like, oh yeah, your eyes seem fine. <laughs> they did a full health test, it cost me £25. And um, I, at the end, I, I sort of held back and I said, but do you, do you think it's a tumour or something? And they said, no, no, not at all. Why would you think that? And I was like, oh, God. So it, they got me again. They all got me again, you know, once again. Anyway, but I had a lot of fun as well as that. Went away with my family um, and seeing some of my... The show's begun now. OK, the rest was just waffle. Now we're going into it. So seeing some of my old family, not my new family... Um, with the context of neurodiversity, I haven't seen them for a while, but seeing them made a big difference. You know what I mean? Seeing how they how they can go into weird states, weird states of being, weird states of behaving, some of which have always frightened me or at least, you know, made me feel very odd, odds because I wasn't sure what these people wanted or what they felt, you know, that I was doing something wrong as a kid. You know, we went to uh, Gulliver's Kingdom in Matlock first time i've been there i took the kids and some of my old family as i say i'm not talking specific i'm not trying to not make this about specific people but you know i'm trying to just say my realizations i've had um and going around gulliver's kingdom we which you must go to oh my god it's a theme park on a hill as in it's sort of built into the hill i last went when i was eight It's a mad old place. I don't think they've painted it since I was eight. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was falling apart and I loved it. I really did. Um, But I had a lot of the same flashbacks to the same reactions happening. Do you know what I mean? And I realised with members of my old family how once you see it with the sort of screen the filter of neurodiversity, as in when you see, once you understand it in yourself and in people who have been diagnosed and then look at it, people who haven't been diagnosed, but you sort of look at them and go, ah, I see. Do you know what I mean? Seeing their fear of the unpredicted, things that, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that thing was going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, that, um, uh, what's the word? Taking, you know, derailing. That's the word, derailing the whole day the whole day goes off the tracks everything goes wrong uh lashing out at people because things are out of their control things are they're, they're overwhelmed by theme parks stuff like that things not going how they thought it would go because i mean a theme park's a mad thing isn't it like a nightclub when you look at a nightclub it's a mad thing we just go in this big box of a room in the dark and dance with each other theme parks, similarly you just walk around this massive hill with these weird um, statues of dinosaurs and sort of chairlifts and things. This is bizarre. And you think in a way the autistic brain or the, the neurodiverse brain would sort of love that. And I do love it. I kind of find it whimsical and bizarre and interesting. But also I think it can be stressful because you don't know what's going to happen. And what it can lead to with my old family members is people lashing out, people being quite cruel, actually, humorous, but also quite cruel, pointing out other people's faults and traits and declaring how weird they are they're not right, they're not right they're not right, someone up with that bloke it's not. some are up with that person they're not right and it's sort of it's sort of looking back on that now as a grown up and with that filter and I go oh my god you know that's, that's what it was that's what was going on there apologies for the noise in the background by the way there's lots of things going on around us but we don't mind that hopefully you won't even hear of it <sighs> And since growing up and moving away and starting my own little family, I've been through stages where I've tried to move away from my old world entirely, see it as it's in the past. It's something I can have no connection with because it's it can be damaging. It can I can lose months, weeks. I know some of you will appreciate this. I've heard um, I've had an email from someone. I I don't have it with me because of the ADHD. I was going to read a bit of it out. I can't be bothered to find it right now. But anyway, I had a um, great email with someone who's from a very similar sort of background and they've had a similar moving away from the past and having to sort of disconnect because it's so warping and crazy, you know. And I've thought about that a lot. I thought about just severing that connection altogether. But now, do you know what? I feel like I can now because now I can, I, I as in I can keep the connection, but in a in a mindful way, because I can see how bonkers so much of of my upbringing was and my past was, and how so much of it uh, was was damaging and hurtful and and mind you know scalloping, yes scalloping. My mind was scalloped. They scalloped my mind. So how much of that was just undiagnosed neurodiversity being put on to me? I you know as I said at the start, I'm not qualified. I'm not in a position to diagnose anyone. Um, so that's why I'm keeping everything very broad. I'm talking about a, a broad sense of that world that I've come from, you know, but I look at my own ADHD and, and autism and that around me that has been diagnosed. And I can think with basic logic, I can go, well, if I have it, then they definitely have it, you know, not that you should go around dismissing anyone or diagnosing anyone, but just being able to put that filter over them. In your mind. You don't have to tell them, you don't have to say anything, but in your mind, you can just look and you can you can put that filter over, over whole communities if you want, over whole swathes of people who are in your world, in your brain, as these kind of you know, touchstones of something that still concerns you or frightens you or or like I said, in the initial episode of this, you know, the whole might as well be dead thing, you know, those kind of phrases people say, which you go back to and you think, oh, maybe that was true. Maybe it wasn't true. But it can give you immense peace is the point uh, I'm trying to make. You don't have to respond. You don't have to follow the little traps and avenues that are set up. What what I would call dog whistling, you know, dog whistling. Where people say, oh, yeah, is he like, oh, is he? I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of that uh with my family is just suggestion or something. Oh yeah, is he real? And it's and you sort of go, oh, that's put a doubt in my mind and made me go, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Oh boo boo. Hang on. But then you stop and go, no, that's not true. What they're talking about is is mad. It's nuts. But without that separation, before you know it, you get drawn in. But once you have the filter over it, you can say, okay, that isn't real, this thing right? This thing that happened there isn't real. That is a terror born out of fear of being different or overwhelmed or a fear of change. Once you have that filter over it, you can see that because no help came for them when they needed it, those autistic traits or neurodiverse traits or fears that have got stuck in there have morphed into narcissistic and pessimistic feelings where everyone's to blame for what's happening to them. You know, even the weather, the weather's to be be blamed. It rains, you know, it's literally somehow, it's your fault that it's raining. It's your fault that there are crowds. You've done this. Does anyone else relate to this? Does anyone have this sort of feeling? Someone who has been diagnosed and understands this can say or indicate at least... I need to get away. I need some space. I need to process. But these people, if they haven't been diagnosed and not only haven't been diagnosed, but for whom the whole concept of being neurodiverse or mentally ill in any way is completely unforgivable. You will be hated. You'll be cast out. Neurodiversity is something to laugh at, to bully before the other bullies, which is essentially all society can see you and get you. So you pick on the the autistic person first and then no one notices you. Okay. It's pretty scary when you see how it can warp minds, how it can warp a, a once creative and gentle mind into these sort of animalistic states of constant fight or flight, it was quite an quite experience I had. I wrote this last night and I'm looking back at it going, God, that was quite an experience, wasn't it? <laughs> going around Culliver's kingdom. <laughs> anyway, from there, from getting into these states of animalistic fight or flight, they can create a whole lore based on completely misunderstood superstitious nonsense. I'll give you an example. My brother and I were both independently told that we were born on a Wednesday. We were Wednesday's child. You know from the poem, Wednesday's child is full of woe. So because of this, this was why our lives were dreary and miserable and would never be happy no matter how much we tried because we were cursed from day one. We were born on a Wednesday. We were Wednesday's child. So we've both gone through life believing this. We actually sort of, we obviously there's an intellectual part of your brain that goes, ah, that's not true. But you kind of do believe it. And then one day me and my brother end up conferring on this. He came to me about it and we realized we were born on completely different totally different days he was thursday and i was tuesday i think or the other way around i can't be bothered to research but we checked it out so we weren't even so we'd gone through life believing we were wednesday's child and on top of that the whole wednesday's child thing is fucking bollocks it's just a poem someone made up and if you confronted the person who said this to us they would make out it was just a joke oh it's only a joke why why would you why would you take it seriously but if it's a joke who's the joke for only we're hearing it And wouldn't you think you'd check to see if we knew it was a joke? No way. I mean, just just how odd is all that? People used to think my shows in Edinburgh that I do, my Edinburgh shows were dark and bleak, right? I used to get compared a lot to The League of Gentlemen, which was lovely. Richard Bacon, of all people. Richard Bacon? He reviewed my show, my first show said it was like League of Gentlemen, which was great because it sold out. And actually, shear Smith came to see it, which was wonderful. But for me, as much as I love them, and they, they are a big inspiration, um, but to me, that stuff wasn't bleak and dark. It was normal. It was how I saw the world. As much as I do love them, and, and they did, of course, have a foothold in the real world. Do you know what I mean? They did do observational comedy. It was stuff they'd seen and heard and so on, but they also had this horror element. Do you know what I mean? It was all kind of cultist, serial killers. It had that kind of feel to it. Which is 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 a lot of fun as well, but I mean, serial killers aren't fun. But you know what I mean. It, it's a horror parody, isn't it? It's not like actually real, if you know what I mean. Um, but that, you know, the stuff I was doing in my shows, it it wasn't a a thing to sort of relish a titillation. It was a basic mindset, the one I was taught. Not saying I was taught to be a serial killer, but there was this, you know just insane way of looking at the world. And it's really, this little trip away I had just really made it all make sense, make it all coalesce. I could put the filter over and I could see, ah, all this has come to me, this second-hand mental health ideas about stuff that are completely out of touch with reality, that I have just absorbed you know and suddenly you have this filter because i've been talking about it and doing it so so much and and learning about it and you see oh my god that's where that was coming from does that make sense i hope so i guess a neurodiverse person who is doesn't or people who don't know they're neurodiverse trying to show another neurodiverse person that they have to act like they're neurotypical but the understanding of what neurotypical is is completely warped because they're not neurotypical and it's been a case for a long time it came to head recently and i really i really thought it might pull me under all this stuff but i i feel strangely liberated now it's not a pity thing it's not like i'm like oh it's okay because they're all just autistic people they're innocent they're helpless victims and it's not that it's just Okay, I can see where all this is coming from. The filter is on. And now I can see, most importantly, whether I'm right or wrong about that filter and that assumption or diagnosis. Either way, I can choose not to be drawn into it. I can choose not to respond. (gasps) That's the most powerful thing. When the little hooks come in, the little, like, luring you into the, the false, mad beliefs, I can just choose not to respond i don't respond i don't attack back or try to beat cruelty with cruelty and meanness with my own snide comment which is definitely what i used to do i think as a in the early days of comedy i used to it was like a a battle you know and a lot of comedians probably get that the battle to try and punch the biggest bully first but with words darling but like sue storm of the fantastic four who developed a power in my recent fantastic four readings I might have mentioned before, I like to read the Fantastic Four to my kids. They love it. It's great. We're starting at 1963. I do an excellent read, Richards, who kind of has Patrick Stewart. Anyway, it's all wonderful. But she has recently discovered, because originally she can turn invisible. She's an invisible girl, you see. But she's discovered she can also create these invisible force fields. Well, so can I, Sue Storm. I can buffer myself from all that stuff, and I can tell my own children that they can question anything I say. And if they don't like what I say... To bring it to me straight away if they want to, because I never want them to believe something that scares or confuses or hurts them. God, just going to give you a rundown of my 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 weeks, the last two weeks, and it turned into this huge adventure around around Gulliver's Kingdom, which is a lot of fun by the way. I hope no one from Gulliver's Kingdoms comes after me. I love it to bits, but you know you can't deny some of it needs a lick of paint. Wow. Let's have a break. So, welcome back to Into the New reverse I hope you enjoyed that little advert. What did you get up to? I listened to a bit of what I just recorded, and it—I wasn't a big fan. I won't lie. But anyway, I hope that first part made sense. When I wrote it in the hotel after the uh, fun adventure, um, and realisations and all that stuff, I—I I thought it was really good. And then when I recorded it just then, I was like. Not sure how good this is, but I hope it makes sense to you. What it is, in all honesty, chums, is there's a there's probably a little story within that that I probably needed to explain. But I think I need to work out what that story, what that is or how to say that story. As in there was a particular event that made me go away and it all clicked into place. But I don't think I'm quite ready to explain that story. I hope you'll bear with me. On that, and I hope it sort of provided you a bit of interesting, fun. Anyway, we're going back to the journal. So a lot of my work on this podcast, podcast, come on, we're notting, we're Colin back, Collins. Oh no, that's like the Nottingham. But God, where is Colin? That's what my show's about. Where is Colin? Who is Colin? Does he exist? Fuck. I mean, that was Anna. Do you know what I mean? It's it's painful. It really is. Anyway, a lot of my work on this podcast is taken from journals that I write. I write them at the time, fully intending to record them. You know, I go, brilliant, that's the next episode, it's great. And then the ADHD kicks in and I do something else entirely and forget which book I wrote it in, etc, etc. I still have a promised episode based on the style of 1970s Marvel Comics man-thing. If you know what the hell I'm talking about, you must be pretty excited right now, and well done you. I'm looking at you, pork-eyes. That's another obscure uh, comment that only one person will get. And if you're listening, pork-eyes... Please let me know. So here's some writing which hopefully dovetails back into what I was talking about in the first half of this already classic episode. There's a bit of Stanley-style bravado there. So the last year has been incredibly difficult for me. Oh God! <laughs> Forgot I wrote that. Come on, don't you cry. So I no, but I, in all seriousness, the tap's going now. I did. I entered a period of dramatic change. I moved home. Fuck. I just can't Anna now. I'm just Anna. Come on. I moved home. God, all the taps are going at once. The pipes are the pipes, the pipes are banging. I moved home. I set up a business, idiot. I made the decision to stop performing, more or less, as Anna, as a comedy character that I'd spent years building up, and i just got to a really strong awardee sell placey. This is of course a powerful ADHD tree trait not treat a lot of you may have you get so far with the thing you do really well with it if you're lucky and then you throw it away as soon as you're getting somewhere throw it in the bin mate. throw it in that bin i had tons of reasons why i decided to do this uh the current landscape i'll be honest with you i might mention this before i don't know dressing up as a woman i don't know how i feel about that i don't mean in a in a in a I'm against people who do dress up as a woman. That's absolutely fine. But I don't know where I sit within it. It's confused me. The size and the importance of the arguments that are going on around that, especially with me growing up with this real terror about rocking the boat, you know, or making a point or even worse, making the wrong point or making a point when it was someone else's point. You know, don't get involved in that. You'll look a fool. They'll be angry at you, hate you for it. You'll be ostracized. What? You don't know your feelings. Don't exist. So keep them to yourself all right so now by the way we're rereading this i do sound like an absolute coward uh with what i just wrote then said then recorded to you i'm entirely up for anyone wearing whatever they like i just want to make that very clear or be being whoever they are or want to be or feel or know that they are what i'm trying to say is when i was being Anna man i felt i'd i'd sort of tie myself in a knot that i didn't really understand and i i i wanted to unravel And in doing so, we got this, this. We got Colin. He's coming out. It's so weird that Colin is coming out of Anna. Wonderful. What a wonderful world it is sometimes. What a wonderful, mixed-up, confusing, interesting, bizarre world. That's why you don't listen to the black and white people, common sense people. Um, You know, it's a wonderful, mixed-up world. But for the record, I'm entirely on the side of drag, LGBT, and the queer community, I'm currently writing a script and lighting a fag, which I hope untangles a lot of this. I'm writing a script about Anna and Colin. I won't... I, I don't think I'm allowed to let you know anything, but it's it, it's an interesting thing, and I quite like it. Anyway, hopefully that will come out one day. You'll probably never see it. Anyway, back to the past slash present. So, fuck. That's a dark little cul-de-sac I went down there, and is isn't it? Oh, well... We had a little wander down there, but it's not the only road in the Neuroverse. There are hundreds, millions, infinite channels we can travel, right? Right. That's the weird but marvellous thing with neurodiversity and ADHD. You can flip so quickly down in the dumps to up a mountain. It's like in the comics when Flash, you know the Flash? He's a superhero, runs very fast. And he suddenly runs like a maniac around the world. Because he got to deliver like a super punch. So he has to run around the world really fast so he he can deliver a really big punch. I remember telling this, this being this is a moment that brought me to tears in a Justice League cartoon. I remember explaining this to Nick Helm, and Nick said uh, he runs. I said he runs around the world so fast, so fast, and, and Nick said that he goes up his own as an ass. He goes up his own as an ass. And I said, oh, God, I said it wrong twice. He goes around the world so fast that he goes up his own ass. <laughs> I, and I found that very funny but it was also very upset when Nick said that but also very funny but anyway it was so fast he sees Paris the Taj Mahal Sydney Opera House the three places in the world uh, without a moment's pause and that's a bit what it's like with ADHD you can just go fum fum, fum 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 and I'll be honest for this bit of writing that I did when I did this I was lying in bed I was struggling to get myself moving at all I get physically weighed down by thoughts sometimes do you get this? And I know it can't actually be physical. You're not physically weighed down by thoughts. A thought can't be physical, can it? But sometimes they feel like they are. Like someone's laid bricks on me. Like the poor chap in The Crucible. Do you know the play by Arthur Miller? Do you remember him? What was his name? I want to say Giles Corrin. I want to say Giles Corrin. That can't be right, can it? I'm not sure who Giles Corrin is, in all honesty. Literally no research. Hang on, I'm just going to Google. Okay, I'm back. I've Googled, and wish I hadn't. But anyway, his name wasn't Giles Cor- Corran, but don't don't Google Giles Corran. Anyway, this poor fellow's death has stayed with me. That not Giles Corran, the Giles from the Crucible. Now, the Crucible. If you never did GCSE drama is a play about the Salem witch child in America, don't know why I said it like that, a few hundred years ago, how a whole community was convinced to turn on neighbours, not the TV show, but maybe that, but basically they call each other witches and then loads of poor innocent people are executed, murdered really, let's call it what it is. I think all execution is actually murder. But there you go, not a very popular opinion in this post-Games of Thronian age. Anyway, One of the people who was murdered by the Witchfinders was a man not called Giles Corran. I think his name was was Goody Giles-something. No research. I could look it up now. I'm not going to. It doesn't matter. We're too deep now. And the way he was killed was pretty upsetting in an already pretty upsetting play, to be honest. Uh, Because he was killed for a fucking made-up superstition, tying back to the first part of this episode, you know? How these imaginary ideas can be very dangerous he was killed and maybe turn off if kids are listening unless they're doing gcse then this may be helpful but he was killed by well they they made him lie down and then they put a door on him i mean i assume he was lying down it must have been It'd be very weird to put a door on top of a standing man's head wouldn't it how would they even keep it on I know it sounds like i'm making light of this poor man's actual real death but it's because i find the whole thing terrifying i'm trying to make it less horrible for myself if not for you anyway they lie him down they put a door on him whose door it was i don't i don't think arthur miller explains did they just go and rip off someone's door and was that person involved in this like uh you know excuse me i will need that put him back later thank you anyway they take off a door Unless they built the door for this purpose, which is even more sinister, isn't it? But they put it on him. I'm skirting around the whole thing because I find it horrific. And they put bricks on top of the door, uh, uh, on top of Giles. And they slowly lay on more and more bricks until he's slowly crushed to death. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm sorry I put that image in your head. Blame Arthur Miller. I don't think it's a good thing to put images in anyone's head like that. Not sound prudish, but I'm one of the few people of my era... God, my daughter's really loud right now. She's watching TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She probably was the last time I recorded. Don't worry, the holidays are nearly over. But not sound prudish, but I'm one of the few people of my age who is not sure video games are that good an idea. In terms of putting horrible images and ideas in people's heads. And I love video games. Video games. As a teenager, I'd have declared what I just said as censorship. Censorship! It's art! There should be no boundaries to art. Don't be squeamish. What's wrong with you? I go all, what, what is it now? You know, woefully un, unpleasant libertarian types off the internet. I'd be, go like that. You know, how dare you censor me? How dare you? It's art! It's art! horror movies are art, gore is art. And I still, I still kind of think that. You know, I haven't gone completely Puritan. I've just reached the point in my life, especially understanding neurodiversity, where I have to go, yeah, you know, you can make these horrific images and ideas as art. You can. And for some people, you must. And you should. But do you have to? Do we have to make these? Must we, darling? I remember a funny time when I first... I was looking on this sci-fi movie app, you know, nerd, nerd alert... And it it had stuff uh, about the human centipede. I won't explain that film in case you haven't seen it. But it made me so ill just reading the explanation, you know, the plot synopsis. And uh, I saw my brother and he said, uh, I said, oh, God, I read this horrible thing. And they went, oh, what was it? And I was like, "Um, oh, no, 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 actually, I'm not going to tell you. And he's like, go on, tell us, tell us. And I was like, no, no, I don't really want to. Honestly, it's just too... It's too horrible, honestly. I don't need to tell you. He's like, go on, tell me. Call me that bad. Go on, tell me. I was like, I really don't want to. Go on, tell me. Just tell me. Tell me what happens. So uh, I told him and he immediately just went, oh God. Shook his head in disgust at me as if I'd written it. He's like, why did you tell me that? Why did you tell me that? (laughs) Bless him. He talks a bit like Sean Bean. I don't know why. Um... Because he's not from Sheffield, I'll tell you that. Anyway, it sounds like euphemism, doesn't it? He's not from Sheffield, I'll tell you that. Anyway, I remember years ago, I was with with the comedian Russell Howard. I don't mean to name drop, but you know, he was talking to me uh, about seeing a film called Eden Lake. Have you seen it? I haven't. I still haven't watched it, and I probably should, but I don't think I can, because it has a really horrible thing happen to one of the characters, which, again, I won't say what it is. And I remember Russell went to see it um, for some reason, possibly on the bloody red carpet premiere, and it's, oh, my daughter's so loud. And it's it's always stuck with me, you know, what he said afterwards about this horrible thing that happens in this movie. There's one particularly, just, just the idea, it's like, ugh. And he said... The thing is, I saw it and I thought, yeah, but do I have to see that? Do I have to see it? Isn't there enough horror in the world already without having to put that idea in my head? And at the time, I really couldn't, I couldn't quite compute this idea. I really couldn't, you know, different upbringings. Mine was, you know, quite, as we've established, quite sort of full of, of these sort of superstitious horror type ideas. And his, as I understand it, very proactive, confident, can do, go win the prize, you know. And I, I just couldn't imagine a world where you, you didn't seek out the most horrible stories and movies, you know. We were brought up on a literary diet of Stephen King and Clive Barker. And because of the lack of the invisible shield, our magical weapon for this week, we were sort of led to believe that they were real, you know, like the Bible of blood. one of my family members still stays up till four in the morning watching the most gruesome korean horror movies <laughs> that clearly damage their thinking and give them almost sort of hallucinatory nightmares and often weaken their already tenuous grip on reality uh, but he, he he cannot see the connection he cannot see the connection between staying up very late watching korean horror mov- korean horror movies and then having these awful nightmares you know Much in the same way, they can't quite understand that if you only eat Weetabix, you might struggle to poo. But it's hard to see connections, isn't it? It's hard to see where the string connects when you're completely lost in the spaghetti. God, when I wrote that, I thought that was quite clever. I read it back then, I thought, no, it's not clever. Ugh, the pipes. Anyway, sorry, I've got to get this out. I really do. I've got to get this finished. It's not going to be the best episode. When I wrote this, I thought this was absolute gold, and now I think it's absolute shit. Please don't stop Patreon. Patronise me all you want. Anyway, I've always admired Russell for that, for his ability to just draw red lines around stuff, you know. We used to do Edinburgh at sort of the same time and we worked on radio shows at the same time and he was always just so focused, so convinced of what he was doing and what he wanted, not in an arrogant way he just knew what he wanted and how to get there and anything that disturbed that he just didn't need it, so he didn't have it. Do you know what I mean? So something like so, we just go. Well, I don't want to know that. Anything that wasn't conducive to that, he could cut away horrific origins of images from you know horrific horror movies. No, I don't need to know that. I don't need to think about that. It's actively harming my brain. But someone with, like me with neurodiverse fixation traits might have to see the upsetting image and then dwell on it forever and not be able to sleep because it's stuck in my brain. I'm not talking here about important world events or people in need. You know, we, we, we have to do that stuff. We have to help people in need. And we have to understand the horrors going on in the world, I suppose, to a degree. I mean, the news itself, there is an argument that is that in any way helpful to watch? Certainly the 24-hour rolling news. God, I'm giving myself a headache talking about this. I'm dying. I've got to go to the doctor again about that. But the thing is, is this thing going to make me just feel shit? And if I feel shit, I'm not going to be able to focus on the stuff I want to do. Which I think, you know, for Russell was bringing light into the world. Whether you like his stuff or not, you know, he. he I've always seen him as a shining light in the world. Now, Russell might not have thought any of these things. I haven't checked with him. <laughs> I probably should have checked. Russell, did you did you mean this? But, you know, I, I it's something I really admire about him. Um, in fact, when I first wrote that bit that I just read to you, I believe it, I know, I wouldn't think I'd actually written that rubbish, but anyway, when I first wrote that, I, I'd really lost touch with him. But as it happens, funnily enough, I met him the other day, met up with him after I'd seen his show, which was great. I, I didn't mention this. But maybe I'll I'll see if he can come on this show, you know, and I can quiz him about it. But I wrote at, at this at the point how I lost touch with everyone, but clearly this is not true. Do you know what I mean? Because I... Hooray! Hooray! You think... You might think you lose touch with these people from the past, like Russell. But they're still there. Get in touch with them, if you want. Anyway. But, back to failing. Giles... Giles, not Giles Corrin, is crushed. And in fact, this isn't one of the horrors Russell was suggesting we d- didn't need to know about because this was real. You know, it's a thing that actually happened. It's important to the play. It's not a reveling in gratuitous violence. But that how it can feel, that how it can feel when the thoughts become physical. Awful. Like a million bricks laid on top of me. You know, like the doors on top of me and people putting all these bricks on me. Not just bad things, but good things. The finale of Succession. Oh, so good. It was so intense. It was amazing. But the next morning I couldn't move (laughs) because it was so it was so good. I couldn't move from bed for ages because it was too much. So thoughts are heavy things, literally. By literally, I mean, obviously not literally, but they can feel like it is what I'm saying. A million bricks. You may have noticed, listener, by my conclusions throwing themselves off a cliff edge, that at this point I actually lost interest in the original journal I wrote, and I never fun- fucking or fudging, sorry, fudging finished it. So let's try and come to a conclusion for this already considered classic episode of the podcast. What I'm trying to say is, good thoughts, bad thoughts, any thoughts, they have weight and gravity. They can pull you down, as a neurodiversity, or as a Neurotippy but definitely as a new reversi, diversity. Diversi... Oh, come on, Colin. So when these thoughts are all on top of you, like you can hardly move and you're crushed from the weight of them, give yourself... Um, okay, I'm going to say give yourself a, a reach around, but I don't think that sounds acceptable. Fuck, what I'm saying is... I'm so sorry, by the way, to the that poor man in the Salem Witch Trials. I don't know if he can hear. I, I assume not. But I think about him daily. Really, I do. <laughs> Not every day, but quite a lot. I think about that people did that to another person because of superstition and, you know, greed. Because of dog whistling. Someone got flattened by a fucking door. So with all them thoughts going round your head, you can't bloody breathe, can you? So what I say is do reach around the door, grab a brick, any brick, by brick, I mean thought and look at it. Just have a look at the thought. Really look at it and go, do I need that thought right now? Is that thought actually something I want to focus on? Or can I, in the way Russell Howard, I felt did, he may completely disagree and say, I'm not like that at all. But this is the, the image of him that I created in my mind. Can you draw a red line around it and throw that thought to one side Thus making the door on top of you with all the bricks on a little lighter and death a little slower. Have I helped here? Not sure I have. Burn the witch. That's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. But seriously, if you can, just try and grab one of them thoughts, properly look at it and go, right, what is this? What is the what is the actual thought? Where has it come from? Is it good or bad? Do I need it? Is it helping me chuck it away draw a red line around it and chuck it away that's a mixed metaphor i deal in those a lot or get someone else to take the bricks off people can pick up this this brick and go you don't need this one you don't need this one you don't need this one one by bloody one they can tell you which ones are worth having or ideally sometimes like the other day when i felt weirdly powerful and convinced of of uh of, of some sort of strength i found sue storm's invisible shield and uh, you can hoist it up in front of you and you can blow that door away and the bricks and they all just fuck off and you just get up and walk off uh, but poor poor giles and all those women all the fucking people over the centuries murdered Because of this fucking ignorance. Some mad idea that was conveyed to desperate, ill-educated people with such sly conviction, they ended up killing their own neighbours. Well, at least it's not like that these days, is it? (laughs) Find your invisible shield, my friends. Whatever it is, find that invisible shield and have it ready to hoist up when you need it. This podcast is one of mine, and so are you. Thank you for being my invisible shields when I need them. And thanks everyone for getting in touch. All the people who have enjoyed the podcast so far. um, Someone messaged me to say, I'm really hoping it's coming out again Friday. Uh, And it didn't. But still, they also said no pressure, which was kind, you know. Um, There's a man who drove a very long way to see one of my shows and I had to cancel it (laughs) because of the illness which made me thought I was dying. It's not not easy being a Colin Holt fan. God, the arrogance of saying that, the Colin Holt fan. But it's not easy following my career, is what I'll say. He drove a long way, but he was very understanding. Um, and see you soon. I'll be back soon, hopefully from a studio. We won't have any more pipes or other noises. Um, see you then. Bye. <music> Thank you for listening to Into the Neuroverse with me, Colin Holt. You can find me on Twitter at Colin Holt, on Instagram at Colin Holt Comedy. You can support the podcast if you like it and want to keep it going. Money is the best way to keep things going. Go to patreon.com slash Colin Holt and you can pay me anything up to £1 billion a week. And I will happily take it. Any more than that is just greedy. A big thank you to at Eyes on Legs, who did the music for this. So find him on Twitter and so on if you want to get him to do music for you. At Ed Shots, who did the original photograph. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. And please do uh, rate, subscribe, review, and like wherever you can. And I'll keep doing this as long as anyone's interested. That could include myself. I do lose interest very quickly and also make sure you check out my website IamColinHolt.com for all the latest news contact United Agents if you want to book me for any gigs or acting work or dancing work I'm actually a very good dancer or anything like that or if you want to contact me direct it's ColinHoltComedy at gmail.com thank you bye bye